Welcome again to all those tuning in to the Southwest Climate Podcast. I'm going to dub this the Monsoon Tercel version since we're about a third of the way through the monsoon, Mike. It's great, Zach Tercel. <laughs> it's too early for that kind of talk. We had a pretty epic beginning to the monsoon, and I would, I would also say a pretty epic middle July to the monsoon. We'll talk all about that. We'll give you guys a, a roundup of, of what's been going on in the, in the Southwest, focusing principally on the thing that everybody cares about at this time of year, which is, which is the monsoon. We may dive a little bit into uh, future forecasts on uh, the upcoming, slightly hedging now toward not so bullish on the, on the La Nina event. But let's focus, let's focus on the monsoon, Mike. The last week of June, I think beginning on the 26th of June, Boom, we had a monsoon flare up that brought a lot of precipitation, most of the precipitation that we've seen so far here in, in the West during those during those five days. And you know, I was calling it. I, you know, I was I was saying <laughs> you, this is gonna be an app. You, you this is gonna be two thousand six. You, you know, we're gonna, in the first two weeks of the monsoon. It was yeah, okay. Fair enough. Know, so yeah, so Fair I had enough. I had I had the monsoon goggles. Yeah. I had your El Nino goggles for the mo- monsoon season. Yeah. So you just said two thousand six too. So you know that I saw this with the Tucson National Weather Service posted today that we're think right now at the 10-year anniversary of the epic wet spell that hit Arizona and caused some of the landslides and flooding of Sabino Canyon. So that would have been... Yeah, it was 2006. So it was uh, 10 years ago. So I'm looking at the monsoonogram, the cumulative precipitation curve during the 2006 monsoon. And 2006 <laughs> did turn out to be the fourth wettest uh, monsoon, according to the rain gauge at the Tucson International Airport. Yeah. And it, it was... It was Fairly wet from the high country in the White Mountains down through, um, I think, quite a bit of, of southeast Arizona. Tucson in particular ended up having multiple consecutive days of over an inch of precip, especially in the Catalina Mountains north of town, which caused some flooding in Sabino Canyon, including some uh, landslides. So yeah. that happened in, in... 10 years ago. It was a, a position in a, of the high-pressure system and a low-pressure system and the forcing of the storms and, and the movement of the storms from the high country down to southeast Arizona. It's sort of known affectionately as what we call rimshot-type uh, mm. storm events. So it's using the, the Mogollon Rim as a forcing mechanism, and then they, the storms kind of basically roll downhill towards us. 2006, by my recollection, was really the last year we had a very intense or abo- way above average monsoon. For Tucson I, proper, probably. Y- yeah. yeah, for Tucson, yeah. Tucson proper. I mean, 2011 yeah. also produced uh, above average, but that was assisted by, a, well, I believe it was a tropical storm in September, which is monsoon all, but... Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, most of the precipitation came in in September. Yeah, and and I think that that's, you know, maybe that's a bit of the punchline for our discussion today is, is what do you call a monsoon? Do you say good, bad? It's so hard to characterize, and especially at the early part of the season, calling it one way or the other, because you have all of these sort of multiple moving parts and pathways to get to your final totals. And so I think that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. It's hard to characterize because the spatial and temporal variability Mm -hmm. is, is so high. Let's sort of de- decompose the first third of, of the monsoon. If you look at the state of Arizona in its totality, about 30% of the state is experiencing uh, near to above average. So, so about 30% of the state has 75% of their historical average or greater. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, 30% does. Yeah. 70% is below average. That's not that uncommon for the monsoon. Right. I mean, if this was the end of the monsoon, and w- this was our, like our end of September podcast, the tears would be flowing down your cheeks. We're not there yet. It, it's early. We have this very broad definition of the monsoon season with the very generous um, June 15th start. 
having that extra couple weeks prior to when you really start to see the the true sort of monsoon circulation climatologically show up, which is typically in early July, you get to lump in some precip events in your total. And we were able to do that this year. This year, yeah. Yeah, Let's we're talk able about to that. sort of add, add to that. When we look at where the areas that have experienced near or above average precipitation are, they're in Cochise County, they're around uh, the Tucson area, they're in uh, higher, ele- higher what elevations. What part of the Tucson area? You're being very generous there, Zach, about calling Tucson area. Well, I think it's around the metropolitan well, It's not area. at my house. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. And there, there literally is a donut hole in Tucson right now. Where, where's where's my the house? Hole? It's like on the <laughs> east side of town. There, We've had less than an inch of precip this monsoon season. If you look at some of the like the flood control gauges and the rain log network of volunteer observers, the range of precip values is anywhere from less than an inch. This is from June 15th through yesterday. Mm-hmm. The total precip is anywhere from less than an inch to almost seven inches just in a uh, a ten mile stretch across. Yeah, and this Tucson. is not on the on the summit of Mount Lemon. No, no, we're this is in the this valley. Is in the, this yeah. is like no topographic relief. So, flat across town, there's a seven a six inch um, precip gradient. A bulk of that precip came in two events mm-hmm. of two inches or greater. Right around July one. Uh, yeah, and one was earlier in the week, and one was later in the week. Um, in that sort of last week of June. Now to put that in sort of a percent of average context, that's pretty darn close to the- uh, For June, that's like a million oh, no, percent. For the, for the total monsoon precipitation. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean- They nailed so, it. They're good. They're done. Yeah, they're done. I mean, they, they basically can move on to planning for Thanksgiving. You know, if you take away the last couple, maybe the last four or five days, mm-hmm. and you look at the stretch between uh, July 1 or July 2 and- Fair enough. Yep. And July yep. 20th, yep. it was dismal. Yeah. It's been kind of interesting to look at the New Mexico too. So New, New Mexico is close to about half the state is below average and half the state is average to above average right now. And they've had a pretty rough um, slow period that was consistent with our slow period too. So the shutdown from right after the big event here in Tucson on July 1st, um, right through the 10th, 11th, 12th impacted New Mexico as well which was a very slow period. And so it's one of these things, do we call that a monsoon break or do we just call that a late monsoon as the events have sort of stacked up more recently? It's an, exis- <laughs> it's an existential philosophical question. <laughs> that was a question. crazy look. I wish people could have seen that. <laughs> I think we have to call it a monsoon break. I mean, I okay. think the monsoon, to me, the monsoon started, you know, at the end of June. Kinda, right? Kinda. Well, okay, so why So kinda? we were talking about this earlier, right? Yeah. June's a transition month, right? So mm-hmm. it, we're in we're in a warm up for the monsoon, and when we talk about monsoon, we really mean a, a kind of a full on re- reversal in wind, wind directions, direction. right? And that's basically what monsoon means. So coming, at, you know, aloft from from the east. Yeah. So the high pressure, so up the mid level high pressure system, you know, fifteen twenty thousand feet. Instead of winds blowing from the west, they start to blow from the east, right? And that's that's pretty generous. I mean, it's a little more nuanced than that, more southwesty to southeasty that elevation, but that movement of the high pressure system starts to put us into southerly, southeasterly, easterly flow, which becomes more tropical, moistens things up. So we had the this monsoon ridge of high pressures sort of come in. It was part of the mechanism to the record high temperatures in June. It also started to drag up some early season subtropical moisture. You know, I think we could argue is that uh, some of the mechanism there was actually some kind of trough or frontal um, upper level dynamics that came out of the west 
that fired off a lot of that precip in June, that last part of the week, the month. If you look at the 500 millibar heights for June 28th, which is basically at the beginning of the, um, or the near beginning of the, of the wet, the, the first wet period that we've experienced in the yep. monsoon, yep. the position of the high is kind of Okay. Well I'll low. give you that. Okay. But there was, there, there was that the Pacific Northwest storm system that was helping the drive, uh, precip, right? Okay. So if you look at that sort of last week of June, you're absolutely right. So the high pressure is in a fantastic position. It's, it's the, the ridge is basically ridge axis is over the Western U S the, the high is North of us. We're in deep easterly flow. It's clearly dragging in moisture. And so that sort of afternoony thunderstorm stuff that we saw that, and if you look at that sort of that early part of the week, it was more southern southeastern arizona right so that that sort of yeah absolutely looks like early monsoon stuff but the big outbreak of, right then you fast forward a couple days yeah you fast forward a couple days and one of the precip events that pushed up central tucson was also occurring across much of the state it was a big day for precip across much of arizona was on july 1st was actually a little bit of trough energy that came out of the west and so you you know you already had that monsoon flow in place from mm-hmm. earlier in the week. So you're sort of dragging the moisture up in here. It's up through Northern Mexico. It's up into Arizona, and New Mexico. And then all of a sudden you get something coming out of the West, some dynamics that actually caused it to be a larger widespread event. So it had, it was basically an assist. You can see, and you certainly do see assists early in the season in June. And they typically go away when they're like assists from the West right. in July and August. And then you start to see them show back up again as we transition out in September. So you're suggesting then that the, the, the storm system that was further to the, in the Pacific Northwest, those things are less common during. Absolutely. Cause the storm track retreats and this yeah. is even like a little, it's like a little storm track moves North. The storms. Yeah. Storm track moves North and, and that the energy related to that, the, those low pressure systems and the jet stream, everything is just too far away. So this little wiggle in the, in the flow that came out of the West was an assist, right? And it's a, it's an early season assist. The kinds of assists we'll see later in um, July and August are the ones that come out of the tropics on, as we were talking about earlier, easterly waves, which are on the south side of the high pressure system. This is actually a, a little assist that came out of the west on the north side of the high pressure system as it retreated. And this was actually a, a little bit of a sign of things to come. This little shift in wind direction at upper levels back out of the west, that was the death knell for the monsoon for the next two weeks, basically. Okay, so the position of the ridge set up in a favorable um um, location late June was assisted by uh, this storm system in the in little. The I mean, it storms that's being extremely generous. I mean, it was literally a little wiggle in little the wiggle. upper level. Yeah. I mean, again, it's the dynamics are very, very weak during the summer down okay. here. And so it doesn't take much. Fair enough. Yeah. If you look from July 3rd through July 16th, zero precipitation. I mean, yeah. there was a few yeah. parts in southeast Arizona which uh, which got a little pre- precipitation, but we had days. Shut down. Yeah. We had days with with nothing. nothing. Yeah, you know, we have in the historical. If we we're just using the dew point start dates as start beginning of the monsoon in Arizona, that first two weeks there are periods of time where you end up um, with late starts. So then again, it's my existential monsoon existential question of was it a break or was it a late start? So. I just want us to ponder this the rest of the season. I don't want an answer. It's actually, it's rhetorical. So, <laughs> But what caused that break or the late start? Yeah. I mean, I have an answer. I've already given you my answer. <laughs> What's your, wait a minute. Let's I, think it's a, I think it's a break. Po- it was rhetorical. 
Well, I already gave you my answer. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. But the position so, of the ridge yeah. was for, to our south. Yes, it was a, a fairly active series of storm events. So basically, strong upper-level cold storms progressing from the Gulf of Alaska and across the northern tier states. There was actually snow in the northern Rockies as these storm events passed. So the Cascades and the northern Rockies in Idaho and Montana were actually picking up snow as these um, storm events uh, tracked across the northern tier states. Mm -hmm. And so that's happening north of us. And so, so that's effectively pushed. Yeah, the energy is, is it's not clearly the storms weren't, they're not able to push that far south in, right. in July. It's, that's too far. The storm track is, is retreated north. But what they are able to do is hemispherically squish the monsoon ridge back to the south. So what we end up seeing is not unlike what we see in June, which is sort of the, as we transition, we're getting sort of right. energy from the north colliding with the subtropical ridge to the south, and we're in more west upper-level westerly flow. That's what you had for two weeks. Just to be fair, too, with New Mexico, it was slow, but it wasn't a complete shutdown. There was, there was some sort of Great Plains interactions and some precip out on the east. There was uh, some very slow days in that period, too, but it was by all accounts, especially for them this early in season when they should be picking up more precip than we are earlier, was very slow for New Mexico as well. More recently, though, that position of the highest wandered back a little bit to our north. Yeah, totally. It's in a much better spot. That position of that high determines whether or not the upper level winds are flowing from our west, which would bring dry air, or to our east, which would bring moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, it's um, a nice, very generic and large-scale diagnostic of, of things, but it doesn't necessarily tell you exactly what's happening down on the surface. You need to have it in a certain kind of configuration to favor things going in your direction. But as we've seen here in Tucson, that even a good ridge position doesn't necessarily mean it's going to rain right, everywhere. It's one, of the, it's one of the factors. It's one of the factors. Right. Yeah. I was, I was like trying to think of this analogy this morning and, you know, I'm, am I terrible with my analogizer, but it's like, is it a Swiss watch where, you know, like the face of it is the position of the high and all these little gears are below it that are the real sort of inner workings of the monsoon? Or is it like a giant bratwurst? where it's like, <laughs> that's the shape of the high. It generally looks like a bratwurst, but man, once you cut it open, there's all sorts of stuff inside there. I'm leaning more towards my bratwurst analogy because it's like a mess now when you get down to thinking at the surface about like, is it going to rain at this spot or not any given day? The high kind of generally helps yep. with that. But even if it's in a good spot, it doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to go well. But there does seem to be the, a couple different scales of of phenomena that are important, right? Yeah, so at this, absolutely. At the big, broader level, the position of the high is important. It, yep. Not only does it bring moisture in from the Gulf of uh, Mexico, but it can bring these easterly waves westward that then can cause these Gulf surges, which are important because it also like pushes moisture up from the Gulf of California, which is a key part of, it's another key source of, of our moisture. Yeah, and so if, you, if we think sort of like, Broadly about Southwest, we have Arizona and New Mexico sort of lumped together. A ridge axis to the north, to the northeast, that puts Arizona and New Mexico in easterly flow. It's going to help bring Gulf of Mexico moisture into New Mexico. It's going to bring mid-level moisture into Arizona. And it's also going to, as you said, set up the possibility of having better up Gulf of California surges of moisture. And so then that you could see collectively where that ridge axis could help the whole Southwest 
But there's nuances, like if it wanders over New Mexico, it can kill New Mexico, but favor Arizona by increasing southerly flow across the state, can wander over Arizona and have the eastern part of New Mexico actually do okay with Great Plains, sort of low-level jet moisture. The devil becomes in the details when it starts to wander around on a weather timescale. For Arizona, so you have a couple sources of, of moisture. You have the Gulf of California, you have the Gulf of Mexico, and then you have this sort of recycling, yeah. land surface recycling. Uh-huh. New Mexico wouldn't be as influenced by low-level moisture from the Gulf of California as no, Arizona they, is. No, you're right. That, that's that's a good point. So easterly flow for New Mexico, easterly flow is important because it brings moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, easterly, southeasterly flow. Again, their moisture source is coming up right on the sort of coastal plain of Texas and sort of right. moving up into West Texas and up into East Texas and, and being drawn in that direction. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So if it's not in a favorable position, if the if the high is to the south, yeah. New Mexico is toast. Yeah. So are right. we though. Right. So are we. But the but the question is for us, we have another source of moisture, which is the the lower level moisture from the Gulf of California uh-huh. that New Mexico seems not to have. And we've seen this in past years where and it happens typically, I believe, sort of later in July and August. But do you remember this where you get these sort of you get deep flow up the Colorado River Valley and then up into southern Utah? And you actually can get these clusters of thunderstorms that kind of like ride right up the Colorado River Valley. So they're being sort of low desert storms. And we can actually be dry in the situations and all the activities happening over Yuma. It doesn't happen very often. Right. A couple times a year under really good years. And so that's actually where, yeah, the rest of like – Southeast Arizona and New Mexico proper and even some of the high country of Arizona can get shut down while you get this really weird right. lower Colorado River Valley where there's very deep moisture and storm systems sort of riding up. And this is even the kind of system, too, that would bring um, flooding rains to Southern California right. in that situation. In there, okay, but so. maybe maybe let's, let's step back because we were talking about the different scales at which uh, the monsoon operates. And you have this like big synoptic regional scale where the, the position of the high pressure is important because not only does it entrain... Uh, moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, but yep. it can also mid-level. Yeah, and so it's like it's sneaking across. I mean, we don't have real deep moisture coming from New Mexico into Arizona. It literally is like working through mountain passes, right? And is higher elevation because that that those passes are like four thousand feet right. or so. Um, so that is not the equivalent of having sort of near sea level um, or sea level levels of moisture. So that that our most ef- efficient mechanism to get. Most of our um, moisture is to come up out of the Gulf of California. Right. We can work some of it over, and we do this by working it on easterly flow at upper levels. And one of the other ways we will moisten up southern Arizona is actually the big clusters of thunderstorms that occur in, in northern Mexico and the outflows. And that's basically a lot of the early season, monsoon season in July, it feels like that. It's also why you'll see the southern counties of Arizona and southwestern New Mexico pick up real frequent overnight activity as those thunderstorms are kind of going along. And we've already seen that. We've already seen that this year is that the most frequent areas in the Southwest of seeing precip so far this monsoon have been in Santa Cruz and Cochise counties and the right. very, in the Southern half. So of those as Mexico is popping off, Mexico has been doing fantastic. Yeah, It's yeah. driving. It's all these outflows are, are just propagating the storms. Yeah. It's so like, and you get any of that sort of, yeah. And that, that can be where the next morning and the next day that the dew points have climbed, climbed up right. five or 10 degrees. And you can also have the, you can wake up to those cloudy, cloudy skies. Totally. We have, yeah, which then works to actually suppress yeah. Uh, the monsoon activity <clears throat> yeah, for that so day, which... Yeah, you've been on a knife edge. And this is where the high's been in a good spot, but the little nuances of the day-to-day 
are killing us. Right. So then it's the little nuances goes to the sort of finer scales, right? But a fundamental driver of precipitation, location of precipitation is convective instability that Mm -hmm. occurs if you have a a favorable temperature profile. So cold, up, warm at at the base. Yep. With high precipitable water Mm -hmm. shoots the the precipitation upward, causes these storms, which is in fact... That dynamics is, in fact, why you have more precipitation on the mountains because the mountains generate that sort of uplift. It's easier to get to convective instability through the elevated heating, those mountains sort of sticking up. It's been a little weird, a little interesting the last couple of days, though, is we've seen sort of weak convection on the mountains even in southern Arizona. And I think it has something to do, and I think there's some sort of chatter about this online, the position of the high-pressure system and also those mid-level temperatures were actually too warm. So it's not even like the mountains weren't even enough to overcome having just warm air above them because of the way that the circulation was around the high pressure system. So, and again, if you think about like, what's the magical, perfect position of the high, so the mid-level high pressure system is north of us, which will allow sort of slightly cooler air south of it to sort of be moved in from the east and the south. There's lots of moisture at mid-levels and at low levels. Those are those ingredients coming together. And then lots of sun to really Mm. bake the surface of the earth to to enhance. So you want it as warm at the surface and as cool aloft as possible. And you want lots of moisture at low levels because that's the convective instability right there is once you can get a a parcel to move up and a cloud to form, it just explosively goes off and you get, you know, epic. And again, the other thing too is, is like you were talking about earlier, Easterly waves where you have just a little bit of upper level sort of air moving apart from each other, uh, enhancing upward motion will organize the storms and the wind has to move quickly enough at upper levels to produce a little bit of shear to move the storms, to to organize them. Yeah, you have to have good steering. Steering That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask of a a weak, messy, high pressure system, now, right? When pe- yeah. When, so people talk about this all the time, like this, and, and they say like the st- steering flow is, is, is not favorable. Yeah. Oh, what depends, is that? it will completely depends on where you're at because yeah. you, you know, a favorable location on one mountain range or Valley could be unfavorable for, for some other place. Right. And so I'm always thinking about it in terms of, can we get a day with thunderstorm activity that is widespread and organized and produces a lot of precip over a lot of areas. It does not happen very often. You know, it happens maybe six times during a good monsoon season. Um, and some monsoon season happens a lot. What would help with that? An easterly wave, which would help uh, give you a little bit of upper level support, meaning that it would help enhance lift over large areas. It also would induce um, a little bit more wind speed, which again, if you get convection firing off in the mountains, what you really want to do is you want to move that off the mountains. And so if there's, if there's no upper level winds and there's just, just sticks on the mountains. Yeah. And you've already started watching the radar. You literally have these little popcorn storms that are forming over the peaks of the mountains and they're staying in one spot and then they're falling apart. Which is another reason why you have more precipitation on, on a mountain yeah, top is abs- because you don't have the condition, the wind conditions yep. favorable to blow them off. Exactly. Right. And so as and, often, yeah. And a high pressure system, you know, we've hinged all our hopes and fears for a monsoon system, trying to get poetic here, is that it's on a high pressure system. That's the wrong. That's the wrong weather system to bet on if you want to have good widespread precipitation. Which is why it sort of doesn't always work all the time, right? <laughs> have you been paying attention to the Gulf surges? I mean, what, what's what's been the characteristic, and and why haven't we had at least one? That's a really good question. We've had a couple of weak 
surges into southern Arizona, and are, we're currently undergoing one. We just had a little bit of reinforcing. The dew point levels are they're mediocre, and they've been like I think they've been hugging the long term mean uh, in Tucson, like the, about the last week. They're not impressively above or impressively below. There's it's certainly not like a break that we had earlier in the month. So there there has been this this slugs of moisture coming up the Gulf of California into southern Arizona. And what has we've had clusters of thunderstorms move across northern Mexico and across the northern Gulf. The storm activity over the Gulf has been too close to induce a real mm. full deep Gulf long surge. And what we've really needed is clusters of thunderstorms down at the mouth of the Gulf coming off of thunderstorms off the coast of Mexico to cause the cool air and the high pressure at the surface from those storms to interact with the low pressure at Yuma. And that pressure differential would draw up and have a really good long deep deep surge. And Frank, Frank was like, was within, I don't know, like a hundred miles of being in the right spot to induce a good surge. And it just went based on the position of the high and the upper level flow, it wandered too far west and went out. And, you know, it's been this epic East Pacific hurricane season I think record now for July again, yeah, you know, so like we've another had five so far. Yeah. And it's been like these record seasons and in the past couple of monsoon seasons, we've been able to take much better advantage of that activity down there. And this year they're just, you know, in this parade away from us and have done nothing for us again. It's early though. It's, it's still, yeah, we're, it's we're t- the Tercile. July 26. It's the yeah, Tercile. The Tercile. Oh, the lower Tercile. <laughs> No, but we still have all of, of August, which tends to be the, I mean, if you gloss your eyes, you put Vaseline on your eyes. <laughs> your goggles, your you, El Nino you wear, goggles. If you wear El Nino Please. goggles. Exactly. August brings more precipitation than July or September. For Yeah, and I think this is an Arizona, maybe like a Southern Arizona thing. I think it's slightly different in New Mexico. But if we, we were just pulling up data for Tucson, August is more reliably wetter than July. July ends up July being, has a higher variability. Exactly. Yeah. July historically is a noisier month than August. August is less spread from high to low right. around that mean. Right. And the mean is higher. The mean, and the mean is slightly higher. August is slightly yeah. higher. Yeah. yeah. And it, if you look, I think we, you know, the papers we've read and you look at the past research and that kind of stuff, August ends up being sort of a core month. We shouldn't paint. Well, actually, I don't know how to paint the picture of, of, of the monsoon. I mean, this is the, the whole problem, problem with the monsoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. but it's it by no means it's right. by no means been a dud. It's been you know had a characteristically. If you don't want to call it an early start, I will. It's you know it had a <laughs> had a, it got off to a, a bang. It had a long period. I had a break. Okay, I said it. Oh, you you like coaxed it out of me. Yeah, you know, but you also tend to get some good months and some bad months during yeah. the monsoon season. Yep. That is to say that it, it, it one good month doesn't favor the next month being good as, as well. That's, that's right. It's not, it's, we're not locked in. You know, I think part of our grumpiness is that, you know, the population centers in Arizona have not seen epic yet. You look at the rest of the state, activities picked up in the high country recently. In Southeast Arizona, there'd be, I don't think there'd be anybody in Douglas or, or Tombstone or Bisbee who would, who would argue that this has been a bust. Um, it's off to a, a really good start, similar to a lot of the most recent years. And it's it's July 26. It's not super early, but like uh, if I say Tercile, I can't believe you I planted that put one that into the into our uh, common language here. So I, you know, I didn't I didn't bring this up because I, I hesitate. To, I hesitate okay. hesitate to talk about El Nino with you these <sighs> days. 
but there had been an implications with uh, in um, at the time an emerging La Nina event. It's since sort of people have become a little bit less bullish on it, like I mentioned before. But there is implications that the La Nina event influences uh, brings an early start to the monsoon. Now we had, by my account, an early start to the monsoon. Did you? The pattern that set up with the what was going on in the Pacific Northwest and, and the sort of September-ish transition month look, was that at all an expression? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that a lot of the chatter has been about La Nina is that there's been very little expression of La Nina. It's certainly there in the ocean, and it has been trending that way. I mean, the, the, when we look at sea surface temperatures, they've been cooler than average in the Middle and Eastern Pacific but everyone in all the indices that I've seen has sort of discussed that the atmosphere has not noticed right. La Nina. So it's it's a bit of correlation, not causation, I think, at this point. And I would have expected to see that sort of response to have the La Nina would have been in place in in May. Right. And this was a real slow walk towards this one. And it, it even looks as though it's having trouble sustaining. I, I don't think it'll have trouble sustaining itself. The cold water is below the surface. It's ready to go. It needs to get dragged to the surface. The um, Just a matter when the, the winds sort of pick up. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a non-issue this monsoon season. I don't think that there's any ENSO um, implications. I think the Madden-Julian oscillation has been potentially a player. It maybe is, has something to do with the interseasonal variability we've seen so far. It is forecast to weaken and, and become even less of a player over the next couple of weeks. So it's worth noting though that ENSO tends not well does not there, at least in the literature that I've read there is no relationship between ENSO phase and the second half of the monsoon. Yep. Yeah, we're, I mean there we're is that little of, like yeah, uh, hints yeah. that there there could be late uh, June, early July. Yeah, yeah. and I don't, I don't think set. it was a I don't think it was a factor because it's exp- expression it, it can't produce a teleconnection unless it's ex- being expressed in the atmosphere. It is worth noting though that the the probabilities of uh, a winter La Nina event, it's decreasing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been sliding a little bit. I feel like it's the only justice I've gotten out of this whole El Nino thing is that the La Nina is not a lock at this point. Uh, and I don't know if it'll matter, though, because even a weak La Nina can spell trouble for the Southwest next winter. Well, I, th- I like your mantra. It's like, it's just, it's really easy to be dry here. I yeah. mean, that's that's our natural state. It. I know it's Arizona. I don't know. All right, let me just finish up with the the Enso forecast. Whereas last month they were calling for a wintertime La Nina at around. You don't even want to go and try to make a forecast. Seventy five percent of average. You're, you are. You're it's now. Skipping it's over. now dropped to. You know they they dropped to about sixty percent probability of. of I, a La Nina you're event. distracting the task at hand, <laughs> Zach. This task at hand. Oh, what, what you, is the forecast for the rest of the monsoon? All right, so we have to, we have to address this because you remember what your last forecast was. I did say that. that I thought that the monsoon was going to be about 150% of average, I think. I said nine nine inches at the Tucson airport, and I believe the historical average I totally forgot that. I'm glad you said that. Is around six, a little bit over six. Okay, great. I'm still sticking with it. You know, I like we're, it. We're, we're above average right now there, <laughs> aren't we? Technically. <laughs> I, think, I think we're As like, I said that, I was, I think we're I was like a tenth of an inch above average. We're near average, but we've had, we've had a protracted dry period, you know. I and know. it is boosted it's, by by these sort of nuanced conditions that were in late late June or early July. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give we're it not, that. Yeah, but I'm I'm still sticking with it. But we did get criticized by some of our <laughs> our colleagues, if you will, for not talking more about the monsoon forecast. But here's my point: is like it's such. It's ridiculous. A forecast for the monsoon at this point seems yeah. ridiculous to me. I just wanted you to say it so I could 
I could completely wash my hands of making a forecast because I want, I want this to all be on you basically. <laughs> yes. I, I no, agree. I, I, I feel like we're having trouble on a 12 hour time scale of getting the, the thunderstorm activity correctly placed in I mean, Arizona. Part of the reason so. we don't talk about the forecast is because the forecasts don't say anything, you know, I'll, they really don't. I mean, this, right. So the seasonal forecast right now is equal chances, I believe for equal tan so you might as well it's just a, it's climatology you might as well flip a, climate, a, coin, yeah. flip so, a three-headed right. coin but the for the august forecast is for a shift towards above average precip and i read do this. you believe read, the, mo the models are saying something but do people well, understand what so they're that, saying that's basically it is is that the a couple of the forecast models have leaned slightly wet for august but one one of them has been the climate forecast system which has been has given me basically an ulcer because I've, I've followed it all through the El Nino and it, it lied to me um, so persistently that I can't even look at it anymore. E so the NMME, the multi-model yeah. ensemble, I, I believe no, was yeah. leaning wet for August, but it, it's the models have been waffling. And again, if you think about this, you'd expect them to, because if they're ingesting new information every day or two, especially the CFS, there's so many moving parts that are going to make it, they're going to, it's just going to wag it all over the place. And so I am like you, Zach. I'm looking to August as being wetter than July, just because climatology suggests it right. should be. So, and I'm going to be really, really disappointed if that's not the case. If we stand with climatology for for August and September, by virtue of having a, a really wet June, we're going to be at a totals wise above a, a pretty good place. I stand with climatology. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, with that, we're, we're going to have to end it here. Um, so um, thank you all for tuning in to another installment of the, the monsoon Tercile. edition of the Southwest Climate Podcast. The Tercile Chronicles. The yes. Tercile Chronicles. Um, thanks, everybody, again. Uh, and have a great center Tercile to the monsoon. <laughs> the Southwest Climate Podcast is a production of Clemus, which is part of NOAA's Regional Integrated Science and Assessment Program and is housed at the University of Arizona Institute of the Environment. Mike Crimmins is a principal investigator with Clemus, a professor of soil, water, and environmental science in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and climate extension specialist with the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. Zach Guido is a research scientist with the Institute of the Environment and UA program manager of the International Research and Applications Program. The podcast is edited and produced by Ben McMahon, research outreach and assessment specialist with Clemus. Uh, two points for Zach. Zach two, Crimin zero. <laughs> That's okay. It'll be it'll be twelve to two at the end of this. <laughs> Never making a forecast again. Welcome back to the Tercile edition of oh, the Monsoon podcast. Oh my gosh! All right, I'll start over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that one though. <laughs> it's all you.